0: Good morning. Welcome uh, to Pleasant Street. Uh, welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reform Church. Uh, it's good to see all of you uh, gathering, uh, making your way in from uh, good conversations in the fellowship hall, finding your seats. Welcome to those of you logging in, tuning in, joining us online. Uh, right now for our live stream or at some point this week after the fact, uh, gathering as we do. It is, it is God who is gathering all of his people together, Um, sometimes gathering us from many, many different kinds of places in the week and gathering us into this place to see each other, um, to be reminded of his story, to worship, which is what we've come to do this morning. Um, For those of you who are new to our church or back after a while or visiting, welcome to you on behalf of all of us. When we worship, we use a printed liturgy, and we also use words that we will sing and say together on the screens. Um, And as we get started, sometimes there's a few announcements to highlight about things happening in life with our church. And one in particular I wanted to get on your radar is about uh, an upcoming chance to connect with missionaries that we have in February. On February 18th, um, Larry Spalink, who is a missionary partner with us, in Japan, will be coming here uh, to connect with us. And we're going to be hosting a joint breakfast with Fairlawn Church up the hill. And so that's on Saturday, February 18th in the morning. We hope you can come and, and join us. It's a wonderful opportunity to hear about someone who we've partnered with for a long time, but we may not know very well. But it's also important because it gives us a chance to connect with someone who sees what God is up to in another part of the world. And that can be helpful to us who are trying to understand what God is doing in our own lives and in our own church, in our own community. There's something about hearing about what God is doing in other places. Maybe you've noticed that. That helps you have new eyes to see what He might be doing in yours. So join us on Saturday, February 18th in the morning for that breakfast And then the next morning, he'll be back again preaching to us on Sunday. Uh, Speaking of partnership, there's two other things to highlight for you. The one is that uh, our administrator extraordinaire, Sadie Perkins, is going through our information to print a new directory. And so this is your last call to go through the information. If you know that there is something in your information that has changed, please let it Sadie know so that we can make sure we get that updated so it's as accurate as possible to get into the printed directory. Everything changes all the time, but when when you print that thing, you want it to be in that snapshot as accurate as it can be. So if there's something that you know has changed, please do let Sadie know so we can make sure to print those things accurately. Speaking of partnership, one other thing to highlight for you today. This is a really wonderful Sunday because at the start of this new year, we get to celebrate that for another year, God has given us new elders and deacons to partner with us and to help us to grow as a church. We get to celebrate that together and to honor also the work that some of our elders and deacons who are stepping down have done in the last couple of years. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So, friends, would you rise and body in spirit? Let's worship together. The Lord be with you.
1: All-glorious God, we give you thanks. In your Son, Jesus Christ, you have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You chose us before the world was made to be your holy people. You adopted us as your children in Christ.
2: You have set us free by his blood. You have forgiven our sins.
0: You have made known to us your secret purpose, to bring heaven Christ.
2: You have given us your Holy Spirit, the seal and pledge of our inheritance.
1: All praise and glory be
2: sang of God's amazing love for us. However, this past week, we probably haven't lived our life. um, We haven't loved God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And we haven't loved our neighbor as ourselves. We need to come before him now and confess our sins before him and ask his forgiveness. Please join me in our prayer of confession. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God.
1: The peace that Christ gives is to guide us in the decisions we make. For it is to this, peace, that God has called us together into one body. Jesus Christ,
0: the life of the world and of all creation, forgive our separation and grant us peace and unity.
2: With his own body, he broke down the walls of separation. By his death on the cross, Christ destroyed our divisions. Continue in silent confession. Hear these words of assurance from 1 Peter 2. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light once you were not a people but now you are God's people once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy people of God all of us together have received God's mercy in Christ Christ we are forgiven redeemed and made to be a community united in faith Thanks. Would the deacons please come forward for our morning offering? Please pray with me. Generous God, you give good gifts to all of your children, and everything we have is yours. Help us to give joyfully and thankfully. Please accept our offerings and use them in service to your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You may be seated. It is still January, which means that the hopefulness of our New Year's resolutions has not fully worn off yet. Every January, there's things that we probably say, I'm going to change. In our world, in the world that we live in, change acceptance, getting better, they happen when you work hard enough and only if you work hard enough, if you can follow through. But when we come into this place, change, acceptance, getting better, they happen in exactly the opposite way. It is only in seeing the radical acceptance of God for sinners like us, failures, dropouts in spiritual life, people who couldn't make it, that we have found a foundation secure enough to actually change. This is why each and every week we go through the same rhythm of confessing our sins because we remember together that we are not there yet. And it is only in knowing and seeing that again that we are brought back to the place where it is safe and secure enough to make a step in God's grace and mercy and by His Spirit further. It is also why now in the service, after we have admitted that we are not perfect, that we have not gotten there yet, and seen again God's love, that it is safe enough For us to do something like call elders and deacons, which is what we're going to do now. Beloved congregation of Jesus Christ, today we celebrate because our faithful God continues to provide leadership for us, His people. One of the ways that God cares for us is by providing elders and deacons. And today we celebrate the work that our elders and deacons, some of them, have done. Emily Fortna. Thalia Tull, Phil Knapper, Beth Boll, Lauren McGrath, and Kate Mogan have served these past three years. They have served well. And together we say, we praise you, Lord, for empowering their leadership and service among us. Give Emily, Thalia, Phil, Beth, Lauren, and Kate rest from their work. We also Praise God today for providing successors. Eric Wieringa, Sandy Weinja, Tanya Anema, Jody Wudenberg, Kelly Livriere, and Kelly, Karen Schneider. Jesus shows his love for the church by giving us elders and deacons. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ appoints leaders from among us, and by his Spirit equips them to serve the church so that the church may grow. Grow in faith in discipleship and obedience and selfless service for others and thereby grow in living the good news of the gospel. Jesus gave us his model of leadership when he said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." Each office has its own work of service. Elders serve by shepherding the spiritual well-being of God's people in Jesus' name. They provide true teaching and preaching, ensure that we celebrate the Lord's Supper and baptism, and give faithful counsel and discipline in confidence to people who trust them. They also encourage our love for each other, keep things in good order, and help us to share the gospel in the world around us. Deacons serve by leading us in showing mercy to one another and the wider world. They model Christian life that longs for God's kingdom, and they help us to see to having that kingdom take shape in our lives today. Deacons use God's wisdom to assess our resources and our needs, to promote stewardship and hospitality, to collect and disperse resources for benevolence, and develop ways for us to assist people in need. They also build up the church with their words. Deacons, in word and deed, embody God's care for us and for the world. To be an elder and a deacon is a weighty task. The work is only fitting for followers of Jesus, for those who seek to have their lives look like Jesus' life. They must trust God deeply, and they must be people who will do the work the way that God wants it done, with patience, humility, and a lot of prayer. It's time to ordain our elders and deacons and to install them for their work in this congregation. Eric, where'd you go? There you go. Eric and Sandy, we we affirm your callings to be our elders. Tanya, Jody, Kelly, Karen, we recognize your callings to be our deacons. Will you affirm your callings? And please join me up front. We have a big class this year. (laughs) Friends, in in the presence of your brothers and sisters and in the presence of God who loves you and who made you, would you please answer the following questions? Do you believe that this call to be an elder and a deacon comes from God himself? Eric, Sandy, Tanya, Kelly, Karen. Do you trust that the Old and New Testament are God's word for us and that His word should shape and govern our lives. Eric? Kelly? Do you promise to love and support the teachings and practice of this church as you do the ministry of elder and deacon? Eric? Yeah. Do you promise to do this work faithfully? to seek God's approval in it, and to submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church. Eric? I have one for you guys, too. Would you please rise in body or in spirit? Beloved people of God, do you receive Eric and Sandy and Tanya and Jody and Kelly and Karen as servants of Jesus himself for your growth? Will you pray for and encourage them as they accept this responsibility for our common life? And do you promise to respond to their service and leadership with trust and love as if to Jesus himself? Congregation, what is your answer? Council members, uh, you may be seated. Uh, current council members, if you would join me in extending a hand or hands as we bless these folks Eric, Sandy, Tanya, Kelly, Karen, Jody, we ordain you for this ministry in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May God, who called you to this work, guide you by his word. May he equip you with everything that you need by his Spirit. And may he grow us all through your ministry so that our church is built up and God's name is glorified. Amen. You can be seated. Almost there. Eric and Sandy, I have a charge for you. Guard yourselves and all the flock of which God has made you each an overseer. Be a shepherd of God's church. These people that Jesus bought with his own blood. Shepherd us, young and old, with compassion and discipline. Help us to hope in God's promises, suffer with those who suffer, and celebrate with those who are joyful. Be trustworthy with what we share with you. Listen to, build up, and pray for your pastor. Study God's word so that you can be fed for your work and so that you can teach, rebuke, correct, and train us in righteousness. Allow God to be your shepherd, for that is the path God has set for us to be able to shepherd others. Tanya, Jody, Kelly, Karen, one for you guys too. Seek God's wisdom and how best to use the resources that God has given to all of us. Help us to see all that God has given to us money, time, skills, abilities, life experiences, all of it. Help us to believe that Jesus has given us more than enough. And help us to trust that by giving generously. Encourage us to love God's mercy by being merciful. Encourage us to long for God's justice in the world, living God's justice out in our lives. Minister to rich and poor alike. Give us dignity by treating all people as created in the image of God and not as people who have or don't have money. Be trustworthy and compassionate as you enter our lives. Know God's word so that you can give us hope in your words and deeds. Allow God to care for you, for that is the example God has set for us to be able to care for others. Finally, I have a prayer for all of us. Friends, would you join me? Gracious God, You are Lord of all the earth and this church. We thank you for Emily, Thalia, Phil, Beth, Lauren, and Kate. Thank you now for calling Eric, Sandy, Tanya, Jody, Kelly, and Karen. Now we ask that you would equip them to help lead us as a church. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them wisdom and your mighty strength. Give them joy as they serve you faithfully. May they be filled with awe as they watch you work in our lives. Use them to glorify your name and build us up in faithful service. We receive Eric and Sandy and Tanya and Jody and Kelly and Karen now with gladness and respect as your faithful servants. We pray all this in the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the head of the church. Amen. Friends, would you join me in celebrating and welcoming our new elders and deacons? You guys can take a seat. Friends, would you rise in body or spirit?
2: As the praise team comes forward, a few minutes ago, we had the opportunity to give up our money our offering to God to use in his kingdom and we just heard our new elders and deacons promise to use their time and talents in service to God and our church now it's our opportunity to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God to use as he sees fit as we sing this next song I just want to say, let's sing it as a prayer to surrender all that we have and all that we are to Christ our Savior. Please join me in singing. with you let's greet one another Would all the kids aged four through second grade come forward to be dismissed for Kid Street? People of God, what is our prayer? To love and serve
0: Jesus. Be to God. Having been reminded of God's grace and love for us, seeing that tangibly again in Him giving us the gifts of new leaders, remembering the call to give up and surrender all to Christ, we we're in a place where we remember together that it is it is safe enough to trust God with the things that are actually happening in our lives and in our world. And so we get to do that together now as a church by lifting up some of the concerns in our midst. As always, one of our elders or pastors offers this prayer for us, but it is our prayer. So please, friends, do join me as we make our prayer to God. Oh, excuse me. Should have looked at my notes here. Uh, there are a couple of things that I do want to highlight. Uh, when we do these prayers, we try to protect each other's privacy, and that means that sometimes we can only use the first letter of last names. It might be that you're not sure who those people are. Uh, we have other ways to make sure that that news gets out to you, but that is a, a little bit difficult, so please hang on with us at, through that challenge. Uh, in particular, there are two prayer requests I want to highlight for us because they're people we, we've been praying for, and we've know, that are known to us. One is, is Karen and Steve uh, S. We've been praying for Karen and her battle with cancer for a long time. The family recently received the news uh, that she is coming to the end of her journey. Uh, and so after some time in the hospital, uh, we are glad that God's answered their prayer and been merciful that she's able to come home. She is with connected to hospice, And in the time that they uh, have together left, we are praying with them uh, for a a relieving of pain and suffering, and that this time would be rich and full of of, uh, enjoying their time together as a family. The other thing is I learned recently that Phyllis M., connected to Fairlawn, uh, who helps run uh, um, an orphanage, there's the word, in Africa... um, collapsed, I think, with some kind of heart condition while in Africa. And so uh, we're joining Fairlawn to pray for her and for them, um, not knowing what the circumstances are, but trusting that God does. Friends, would you join me in prayer? Lord God, we give you praise this morning for your grace and your mercy, which comes to us in abundance. You overlook our sins. You restore health in our lives. You rescue us from evil. You surround us with love and compassion. Thank you, Lord, for caring for us, both body and soul. Thank you for the food that you provide for our bodies. Thank you for rains that nourish the ground, replenish the earth, and help make crops grow. Thank you here for a dusting of snow that makes everything gray bright and brings something fresh to a dreary winter. Thank you for caring for all people and for caring for the whole earth and governing the seasons and food supplies. Thank you for caring for our physical bodies. Lord, thank you for feeding our souls as well. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, first to our ancestors and now also to us. You have taught us to call you Father. You have shown us your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We are made spiritually alive by your Son, your mercy and love in the flesh, and by that mercy, you have prepared good works for us to do following him. Lord, we know that we deserved punishment, but you've decided that rather than condemning us all, you would bestow unconditional and boundless love on us through Jesus. You open our hearts to believe the truth of your Son. You open our lives to see you and to share it with others. Lord, it's your compassion on us that moves us to pray for friends and for this world. We hear longing in, for compassion in our country and in this world, and so we pray that you would hear these longings, and that you would make your compassion in Jesus Christ a reality. Help us to see the very dish definition of compassion in Jesus. Help us to see him having compassion on us, and change us that we might bring that change to our families and to our workplaces and to our offices and to our halls of government we pray that you would guide the united states into laws that are just and fair that you would use this government to bring a measure of peace to this part of the world not ultimate peace of course but a peace that is large enough to encompass women and men, old and young, rural and urban humanity and natural world. Lord, we pray for churches that proclaim the good news of a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love. We pray for Emmaus City and for the river, for Fairlawn, for Resurrection Church East Boston, for Blackstone Valley United Methodist Church and Village Congregational and for United Pres, for All Saints Episcopal, for Cornerstone Community Church and Lifesong. Continue to grow all of these congregations, as well as those of our wider region. Lord, we pray for those who are in need of compassion, digging out from flooding and mudslides in places like California. We pray for compassion for continued war in Ukraine. We pray for compassion upon those who are fleeing persecution and violence, and for those we know who do the work of healing. We pray that your compassion would empower doctors and nurses and medical staff, physical therapists and nutritionists, counselors, and psychologists. Lord, we pray too for all those in our congregation who have need of these kinds of services. We pray for Maggie. We pray for Carol L. and Cindy H. We pray for Kelly's father, Richard M., battling kidney cancer. We pray for Deb V. healing from surgery and Bill V. healing from surgery as well. We pray for Karen and Steve and their children and their family. We lift up to you, Phyllis, who is far away, but not beyond your reach. And Lord, for us, as we chart our lives through various kinds of suffering and pain, we pray your compassion. As we face slights and wounds, great and small, we ask that you would make us to be people of compassion who are so full of forgiveness and so gripped by your coming justice that we can return good for ill and offer grace in the face of opposition. For it is because of your compassion, Lord, that we get a life of eternity, a gift for those who've gone before us, for us, and for those who come after us. So help us now to hold tightly to your precious promises through obedience to your will. Order our steps and our lives in the love of God that we might love our neighbors with compassion and justice. We pray this, in the reordering love of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
3: Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and then verses 11 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead,
0: So in the fall, uh, we introduced some new mission and values language as a congregation. We had a chance to talk about that a little bit, but with this new year and this new season of ministry, we're taking the season of epiphany to walk through some of those things together. Which is what we're going to do right now. But first, friends, would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as people brought into your presence, who have seen again the glory of the riches of the salvation that you have offered us in Christ, we are people who are trying to put down whatever we are holding. We're trying to let go of whatever we've been holding back and to be wholly yours so that you can make us a holy people. We ask, O God, that as we look together now at Paul's words in Ephesians, that by your Spirit you would make them to be good words for us too, that you would use them to build us up even now in the knowledge and the likeness of your Son. Amen. Amen. In the story of Peter Pan, Peter Pan's childhood is never-ending. In the novel, uh, Peter and Wendy, Peter Pan is portrayed to us as this free-spirited and mischievous boy who can fly and who spends his days having adventures on the mythical island of Neverland among fairies and pirates and mermaids and occasionally even children like Wendy. After having many adventures between Peter and Wendy, she begins to try to convince Peter to come back with her to England. But no matter what Wendy says to him, Peter Pan refuses to leave Neverland because he does not want to grow up. And in the story, who would blame him? Based on what Peter has seen, growing up means everything late 19th century English society would expect. You know, uncomfortable, fancy clothes and stuffy parties. It means not saying what you want to say. It means a lot of responsibility. To Peter, growing up means that you can't play anymore. It means the loss of your imagination. And if this is growing up, no wonder he doesn't want to. We sympathize. Part of us would like to stay young forever, too. Who wouldn't want to keep their complexion clear or keep those strong knees or strong back? Who wouldn't want to put off having to make choices that close doors on seemingly endless options in life? If growing up means losing your freedom, your youth, and gaining a lot of responsibility. If this is what growing up is, no wonder we don't want to grow up. We'd rather be a Toys R Us kid. Because this might be true, it could seem to us like the last thing that we want to hear this morning in Ephesians when Paul, like our spiritual father, says to us in Ephesians 4 that the best thing that could ever happen to us the thing he wants for us more than anything else is to grow up. Paul writes this letter to a church in a place called Ephesus a long time ago. It's a young church. It's a new church. And he says, I want you to grow up. Actually, that doesn't quite capture it. because. What Paul says, especially if you look at it in Greek, is that that growing up is of the utmost urgency. It is almost a matter of life or death that the church in Ephesus grow up. Prisoner as I am, Paul writes, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received this calling is what? When well, he says it in verse 13, he says that we would grow up, that we would continue to grow into the unity of the faith until we finally understand the fullness of who Jesus really is together and become mature. Paul wants us to grow up. He wants us to be a growing up church. And if you read Ephesians up until this point, you you will understand why. Ephesians is an absolutely stunning letter. It's it's majestic, and it weaves together some of the most profound theological themes into beautiful passages. It's, It's poetic. It's liturgical. Paul is writing about God's plan of salvation. He calls it the manifold wisdom of God. And in chapters 1 through 3, which we have missed today, Paul unfolds those manifolds for the Ephesians. He shows all of us together the unfolding plan of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit from before time to unite all things together in the body of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He shows us that it was the plan To reveal this redemption to Jews and then through the Jews to the whole world and now in Christ to reconcile both Jews and Gentiles and eventually all of creation under the lordship of his son. It was God's plan, Paul says, to call all of them into the blessings and the lavish riches of being reclaimed and redeemed by Jesus. To be given hope that is stronger than death, to be united with Christ, to share in his rule over all creation even now. Now, Paul says, now for them to be able to walk into the presence of God himself and ask for what they need and find help whenever they need it. No office hours. They have become rich Beyond their wildest dreams, Paul says, they have been given immense privileges. They are heirs to a kingdom. And all of this beautiful theology, these incredible doctrines, they culminate in the prayer that that we heard together from Reverend Caitlin Givens in Ephesians 3 last week. Man, wasn't that beautiful. Paul prays that rooted in love, we would be stretched. Stretched to know How wide and long and high and deep is the love of God, that we would know the riches of God's grace expressed to us in his kindness in Jesus Christ, as he says magnificently in chapter 2. And now, God has designed the church community to be the masterpiece of his goodness, To be an example of what a reconciled universe looks like. God intends to bring everything broken and fragile, everything disconnected, everything that seems irreconcilably alienated from everything else, to bring all of it back together in Jesus. And the church is meant to be a scale model of what this looks like. And then Paul turns all of that prayer and theology to us as though setting it squarely on our shoulders, bestowing this blessing upon us and saying, now live a life worthy of that. I urge you, Paul says, to live worthy of this great calling to which you have been called. Live out your days in this world as though becoming like Jesus is the most important thing in the whole world. Paul imagines the church as a place of growing up, a growing up church. Which is not how we imagine church. Church. When you look around at your world, when you think about places where growth happens, where transformation happens, what do we think of? Meditation centers, the gym, more intensely so, CrossFit shops, yoga studios. Counseling centers, consulting firms, schools. You may even think of the beauty salon as a place of true transformation. But churches? Churches as places of growth and transformation? You know, I was in a church once for a funeral. It was a family church. Several generations of families who had all come through that church. Raised there, worshipped there, taught catechism in Sunday school there. Well, that was a long time ago, and the parents had gotten old, and the children had all grown up, and they left, and they were now in their 50s, and their 60s, and their 70s, and the children, they had not set foot in this church for a long time, but they came back for this funeral, and I overheard them talking in this church before the funeral started. A few of them were catching up. It had been a while since they'd seen each other. They were talking about the group that they'd grown up with and how they'd been. They were talking about the things that had happened and all the things that had changed in their lives. Who was married, who was divorced, who lived where, what they did for work. And then they mentioned the church itself. They said, laughing to each other, this place, this church hasn't changed at all. It's exactly the same. I guess some things they chuckled. Some things never change. Well, the comment, you know, it made me angry, I don't mind telling you. Because it's not true. Church is not a time capsule. Church is not a place where nothing changes and everything stays the same. Church is not a place of selfish, self-righteous, stuck people who never change and don't understand grace. That's not what church is, not at least according to Paul. Paul. Paul, in this passage, he imagines church as a place where growth happens, where people discover new things about themselves that they didn't know before, where cowards become courageous, where the impatience where the impatient learn forbearance, where the quick-tempered learn kindness, where those who keep a long memory and a short fuse learn to forfeit grudges and remember God's mercy. Paul describes church as a place of dynamic spiritual transformation as people grow up into Jesus. Paul imagines a growing-up church. And so the comment made me angry. But then the more that I thought about it, it also made me sad. Because I cannot blame them. Because honestly, the truth is, being a growing up church, well, that's not really what we've been known for as of late. In his book, The Great Omission, Dallas Willard reminds us that Christianity, all of it, it's just about one thing. It's about becoming like Jesus, being disciples. That's what the whole book of the New Testament is about. It's a book about discipleship written by disciples for disciples. The most important thing is for us to grow up into Christ. But Willard says, if you look at the things that we desire and our intentions and the choices that we make, you see that... Really, there are other things that we think are more important than being like Him. Our churches, if known for growth, have been known for other kinds of growth. Growing big, growing powerful, growing rich, growing relevant. And there are so many voices of people in our world who will promise us these things and who promise that these things will make us happy and whole and secure and then we will know. And you know what? Well, we kind of keep falling for it, don't we? We keep getting duped. Have you ever noticed that churches that court political power, and it doesn't matter which party they're dating, they kind of become paranoid about threats? Have you ever noticed that churches that try to attract celebrity Christians and influencers, they're somehow deeply insecure? Have you noticed that churches of prominence and standing and reputation and wealth seem very hollow on the inside? You know, in the story of Pinocchio, Pinocchio is too young for the world, and he keeps getting duped into finding shortcuts to becoming a real boy, which is what he wants. He just wants to be a real boy. But people come along and they promise easier ways instead of what his father told him to do. Everyone is worried. Everyone's worried about getting old. But did you notice that Paul is worried about being too young? We have been too young for too long in North American Christianity, famous for being a mile wide and an inch deep. And this is why Paul says to this young church in Ephesus that we must grow up into the fullness of the life that we have already been given. And this is why he says to us, 125 years young as we are, that we too must become a growing up church. And this is why, as leaders discerning a new season of ministry after the pandemic, when all of us are waking up to the world and wondering what do we do and where do we go and what matters and what next, this passage became important to us because it captured something of what we need to focus on right now. Friends, church church is not measured in the fashionableness of the furniture or the number of people, but in how well you speak the truth in love. It's not measured in furniture or numbers. It's measured in in how well you can hold your convictions without being a self-important prig. It's measured in how well we can see through bad theology and recognize when somebody's trying to sell us something. Growing up means being able to see the increasing diversity of our congregation as a gift to protect and cherish. Growing up would mean seeing our lives as gifts to each other. Growing up means being able to weather deep doubts and suffering and to face death, knowing that even there, God has not abandoned you. And these things, they will probably not make the top 40 or the bestseller list, but they will guide and guard us into life. Church growth, according to Paul, is about attaining to the fullness of the whole measure. It is to be a fully grown-up body. I love that Paul uses a body metaphor here. Look at this, right? So Paul does not say, friends, I urge you to live in a way that makes you worthy to get called. Paul does not say, hey everybody, I I hope you will find a way to work really hard to make yourselves Christians because then, if you do a good enough job, God will accept you. No. We can no more make ourselves Christians than a baby makes itself human. A baby is already fully human, but you know what? A baby can grow. In the same way, Paul told us in Ephesians 2 that we were all dead. I think of that scene from The Princess Bride, you know, like, mostly dead? Not mostly dead. Not sort of dead. Not dying. Dead. And it was God who made us alive. It was God who breathed new life into us. It was God who gave us a spiritual blood transfusion. It was God who rescued us. It was God who made us part of his family. It was God who had the plan all along. Praise be to God, whose love is wide and long and high and deep. And now as those made alive in Christ, as those born again, Paul wants us to grow To be a growing up church, which would mean nothing more than starting to speak, look, act, and live a little bit like Jesus, who, my friends, is what a fully grown up human person looks like. Jesus is what fully grown, trusting, and mature humanity looks like. And so, my friends, it's not a mystery into what we are growing into. We are becoming like him. Generation ago, C.S. Lewis trying to write to, to modernists about Christianity in a world that was becoming lost, wrote this in Mere Christianity. He said, This is the whole of Christianity. There is nothing else. It's easy to get muddled about this. It's easy to think that the church has a lot of different things that it does: education, building, missions, holding services. But the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ to make them little. Christ's. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Which is just what Paul is saying. The purpose of all of it, the plan all along, was for us to grow into the fullness of the measure of Christ, to be little Christ's. Together to be a growing up church. According to Paul, church is a place where people are actually changing. If we talk about spiritual growth at all, usually usually, you know, we, we treat it like something I do. And and if I do it, if I find the right devotional plan, if I do whatever it is, then then it will begin to affect my wider community. But Paul. Did you notice he seems to say the exact opposite? John Calvin once said that our our corporate worship, our devotion, our common spiritual life, the things that we do together, they shape our individual lives and not the other way around. It takes a church to raise a Christian and not a few super-Christians to raise the church. Which is why we are looking. At Paul's words here, because it is in understanding and devoting ourselves to this common mission, to the thing that we hold together of growing up into Christ, that we will grow individually. And in one final beautiful twist, Paul tells us something about how it happens it happens through gifts. Paul says that King Jesus, if you look at those weird verses, I cut out verses 8, 9, and 10, Right? Paul is saying that King Jesus, after being victorious over death, after his resurrection, he ascends to the throne in heaven as king, and the first order of business that he has in his new administration from heaven is to give gifts. And what he gave was simply everything we were going to need to grow up into his body. He gave us the spirit And the gifts that King Jesus gave to help us grow up into his image and likeness in life, they are each other. (laughs) What? Wait, you mean like gifted and talented elders and deacons and staff and pastors? No, no, no. Not gifted people. The gift of people. The elder is the gift. The deacon is the gift. The pastor is the gift from King Jesus to you. Oh, but did you hear what Paul said? He said he gave gifts to all his people, to each one of us. He isn't thinking of some superior class of super-Christians that serves the rest of us. He's thinking of us serving each other. It's not my ministry. It's yours. It's not the elders' ministry. It's yours. It's not the deacons' ministry. It's yours. You, your life, your experiences, your voice, your prayer, your energy, your hands, your mind, your time, your wealth, they are all part of the gift that you are from God to the people in this room. And and their voices and their prayers and energy and hands and minds and time and wealth, they are all part of the gifts that is part of them as a gift from King Jesus for you. For us to grow together. When Diana was in college, she spent a semester studying abroad in Uganda in East Africa. And one time, her geography professor there, she wanted to take Diana's class to her home village in the rural part, in the bush. And so she brought the class to her village, and the village hosted them. And as part of their desire to show kindness They wanted to give this class of students something meaningful to do. The village had a small school, a structure with barely standing up walls. Simple. And they asked if the students would help to beautify it by planting some flowers. Westerners do like to be useful. Her Her professor bought the flowers her professor brought the tools. The village dug the holes for the flowers. And then they lifted the flowers out and they handed them to Diana and her classmates so they could put them in the ground. And then while they patted some dirt very simply over top of the flowers, the village children went over to the well and together they worked the pump Heaved the pump handle and pumped all of the water into buckets. And then they handed the buckets to Diana's class so that they could put the water on the flowers. And then the village thanked Diana's class profusely for coming to help them plant flowers. But of course, her class didn't really do the work, did they? The villagers did. And I know of no better picture of church in Ephesians 4 than this. For in some beautiful way, this is like what God has done for us. Paul says that God has given us all work to do, He's given us a calling to wear on our shoulders to bestow upon us, but it's God who did the work, it's God who gives the gifts. It's God who prepared everything for us to do, and for some reason, He, in His majestic manifold wisdom, had the plan all along to invite us in to share in the work of redemption and beautifying this world, shabby, ramshackle, shack that is as it is, and even to share in some of the praise and the glory. And this is what growing up church is like a community of people who are outdoing each other and using their gifts to give someone else the credit. Yes, even right now in this room, full of gifts from the King for you. Stories of God's work in your life and the lives of each other that remind and energize all of us to know His presence in our own. Training and learning to share and build each other up Discernment to help us to know the difference between good theology and bad. Listening ears to be able to share the journey and the sorrows of life in this world. Time. Time to spend lavishly on each other in a world that never seems to have enough of it. All of them given by King Jesus. Handed to you, to so help us be a growing up church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, it's not the way that we would have done things, and so we ask, O oh God, that you would help us to see again the beauty and the wonder of your plan of redemption And that we would hear again your call, inviting us in to share with you in it. For those of us who are in despair, raise us up to the heavenly realms where Christ is already seated and we reign with Him. For those of us looking for purpose, help us to see by your Spirit you bestowing immense purpose on us, trusting it to us. For those of us weary and looking for power, give us again the knowledge of your Spirit, breathing the fresh wind and and new energy of your life over us. For those of us feeling alone, show us again the beauty and the wonder and the splendor of the family that is church. Until we grow up into the fullness of who you are calling us to be, and see you face to face. Amen. As a church, we are receiving these things together and we do that communally as a congregation. We also have chances to take this home with us in different ways. One of those is for our Echo Age students to have a chance to reflect on what they're seeing and learning in church. And so I want to invite our third through fifth grade students to come up now. We'd like to pray with you and give you a blessing before we send you down to talk with some of our elders and church leaders. People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. This is you guys. Help us to believe what we have heard and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Friends, would you rise in body and spirit and let's sing our response to God. This I believe. Brothers and sisters, in Ephesians, Paul takes us in this world and uses words to lift us up to the heavenly realms, to show us the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit conspiring together, unfolding this plan to redeem and renew and restore all things. He takes us there so that we can go out from this place knowing that that God in the heavenly realms, was thinking of you. That from there, he looks at you. And he has turned his face and his smile towards you. And he will not change his mind. And so, friends, you go blessed. Would you lift up your eyes, open your hands, and receive it? Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing.